0: From the sweltering studios of lehigh valley public media in bethlehem pa it's time for another overseas episode of chemical free horticultural hijinks you bet your garden i'm your host mike mcgrath do you have little white butterflies flittering around your garden be warned that the babies of these pestiferous flyers would like to gorge themselves on your brassica plus slugs continue to be a prime topic so in addition to repeating a few tips we'll explain why copper is a shocking solution to the slimers and of course lots of your telecommunicated questions comments tips tricks suggestions and historically heroic harump mutations so keep your eyes and or ears right here cats and kittens because it's all coming up faster than you shocking your slugs with images of abe lincoln Right after this,
1: you're listening to an
0: encore presentation of You Bet Your Garden. Support comes from hot bin composters designed to be compact, odor free, and easy to use. They can help anybody get started composting. More information at hotbincomposting us.com. Welcome to another all new episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Yes, that is where we are. All right, we're going to take lots of your fabulous phone calls today. We are going to answer a listener's questions from Scotland, and the answers pertain to American gardens just as well, if perhaps not more, and probably all sorts of foolishness with Ducky and the robot and me. So we're going to get started. Christine, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
2: Thanks, Mike.
0: Hello, Christine. How are you doing?
2: Uh, So far today, pretty good.
0: Okay. And where is Christine doing pretty good?
2: Uh, Christine is doing pretty good in West Bethlehem, Pennsylvania.
0: Is this the angel of the airwaves, our own Christine Dempsey? You got it, Mike. That that's it. What was that show? Uh what's my line? Tell the truth. Who yeah. am I? You know, I don't know. All yeah. right. Well, you're you're as welcome as a civilian to call in. What can we do you for?
2: So um I would say that I am an occasional gardener and uh I, I was for three years I was living in an apartment and um am back in my house and I have my yard, which I'm very happy about, so I decided to plant some vegetables.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: the uh, the biggest obstacle I have are evil squirrels.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Menace to all society. What exactly are they doing?
2: They like to dig into anything that I plant. Right. Um, I've moved to, taking some of your advice, I moved to container gardening right? Uh, b- because I found that that's easier, a little bit easier if I lift them up Right. Uh, and I may be able to pr- protect them a bit more. But if I do want to plant anything um, like in a box in the ground, then I have issues because they're they're constantly digging at anything that I plant.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I have black walnuts popping up all over my garden, and I curse the evil <laughs> squirrels every time I find one. Now, uh, do you feed the birds?
2: Yes, I do. No and kidding. actually, upon upon your advice, Mike, I will say this: I did buy a uh, bird bath. Good. So, I have a bird bath, and that's kind of in a, a garden area.
0: Okay, well, that's fine. The bird bath won't uh, uh, attract the evil squirrels. But you should not be feeding seed during the time of your summertime gardening. The, the birds clearly don't need it, and you're feeding the squirrels. You're increasing their population. You're falling into their trap. You're feeding the enemy. When the season is over, put up suet feeders instead of feeding seed. That way you don't attract rats and mice and voles and squirrels with the spilled seed. And it attracts the birds who are best at eating your garden pests in the summertime. To get directly to your problem, this is not a difficult solution. Um, Go to a hardware store and buy a roll of chicken wire. Lay it over the top of the raised bed. This is easiest done in the beginning of the season. Um, But just cut holes for your plants and try not to do too much damage, but cover all the open areas with this uh, chicken wire and staple it down on the edges of your raised beds. The squirrels will not be able to dig anything up. It also keeps feral cats out of your garden. Now, another solution is, do you have a dog? I've got two of them. And what are the breeds? Uh,
2: one is a terrier mutt, and the other one's
0: a lasso-apso. Okay. Um, well, you know, can the terrier be out in the yard?
2: Yep. They both are out in the yard, yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, you know, because squirrels do not like dogs, and dogs hate squirrels. Do you have anybody in the neighborhood with a big furry dog?
2: Not that I know of, no.
0: One of the things uh, the people in the Netherlands uh, who grow all our spring bulbs taught me years ago was that if you mulch your beds with dog hair, squirrels will avoid it because they smell the dog around and they can't see it and they don't want to get into a dog fight. And dog hair, believe it or not, is actually very high in nitrogen and it'll decompose very slowly. But as it does, it actually feeds your soil and it is a great protection against slug damage as well. The slugs get all tied up in the hair and they can't get it off them. So, if you can get brushings from big furry dog either from your vet or a friend or something like that, you can add that in there. But I guarantee uh, stapling chicken wire over the open portions of your bed will stymie them.
2: Yeah. Now, I do have a, a, there are a couple of things that I I've, I've heard about and I just don't know if they're true. So, is coffee a deterrent? Ground coffee?
0: Oh, no, no, you'll just make them more active. Really? Yeah, and then they'll be looking for donuts and bothering the neighbors.
2: (laughs) Now, what about um, eggshells?
0: Eggshells can be a deterrent against slugs, kind of, sometimes. If you crush them up and put them in the planting hole of tomatoes, it prevents blossom end rot. But there's no reason it would keep evil squirrels away. They Mm. would probably chew them because it would be good for their teeth.
2: Ah. and and the last thing that I, I do have as part of my garden is I have a uh, a plastic owl with a rotating head, um, and it's solar powered. So every now and then I have it on a big stick right. by the plants, and the the head will rotate.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I've used that before in the past. It seems to do some good.
0: Uh huh. You are going to come out into your garden one morning and the squirrels will have dressed it up in some sort of stupid costume. (laughs) You know, there are creatures that avoid places with owls. People mostly put them on their roofs uh, to keep away pigeons in the city, or in this case, to keep evil squirrels from actually breaking into their attics and nesting there. So the Hmm. chicken wire is once and done, Um, you know, use it for this season, next season, you know, take it off and put down a fresh layer. And then when you want to plant, if you're you're planting seeds, you you don't have to do anything. The seeds will come up in the chicken wire hole. If you're Mm -hmm. planting something bigger like a tomato or a pepper, just use a pair of wire cutters to make the smallest possible opening and don't give them any place to get in. If you see that you've made holes kind of too big for your existing plants, just cut little pieces and, and wrap them around and really cover up that open area.
2: Great. Okay. What purpose do squirrels provide?
0: None. None. Okay. Whatsoever. You know, God was having a bad day when he made ticks and squirrels. <laughs> or when she made well, ticks and squirrels.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Mike. This is a um, long-time listener, first-time caller, so thank you for the
3: experience.
0: <laughs> thank you, Christine. Stay safe.
2: <laughs> you too. Bye-bye.
0: Mike McGrath. And we are entering the go time, cats and kittens. All our stuff is growing rapidly, and our garden is being eyed by pests, disease, deer, evil squirrels. Who knows what we're going to have to deal with? Well, you can give us a call, and we'll help you deal with it. That number to call is 833- 727- 9588. Well, they saw it first in Southeast PA and it's spreading further every day.
4: It's doing our crops and trees a lot of harm. It's an insect species that's not native, reproducing at a very high rate of speed and folks that's for some alarm. Now, once you dig what I have dug, you'll be hit to this invasive bug and friend, you'll want to help to stop it spread. And when you see that little critter gonna take a swing like a home run hitter and smash that spotted lantern fly dead. Die, 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 spotted lanternfly When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh I got a fly swatter, I'm gonna chase you all the way back to Asia Die, 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 spotted lantern fly. And fall from the eggs on a wall tree trunk And scrape them off into an alcohol dunk And surely that will cause them to expire When the nymphs hatch from the eggs in spring Wrap your trees with a sticky tape ring But save the birds by covering with chicken wire tree of heaven is our preferred host. Yeah, that's the tree it likes the most. So if you got one in your yard, chop it down. Don't transport firewood, brush, or debris, cause they'll hide in there and you'll never see them Hit a ride with you to the very next town. Die, 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 spotted lanternfly. When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh. I gotta flash water, I'm gonna chase you all the way back to Asia. Die, 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 die. die spotted lanternfly. When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh. I got fly swatter, I'm gonna chase you all the way back to Asia. Die, die, die. Spotted lantern fly. So die, die, die. Spotted lantern fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you see me coming, you'll know you the know reason you why. A I got my swatter, I'm gonna chase you all the way back to Asia. Die, die, die.
0: Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everyone that we are now in the times of hot and heavy weather, except in Syracuse, where it is still winter. But the rest of you should measure your rainfall and be ready to hit your plants with an inch of H2O any week. We don't get good rain. But don't go out to check your rain gauge just yet, because we'll be right back with solutions for slugs and cabbage worms and more of your wormy phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com.
1: You're listening to an Encore presentation of You Bet Your Garden.
0: Support comes from Hot Bin Composters. Hot Bin Composters are designed to be compact, odor-free, and easy to use. With simple instructions and everything that's needed, Hot Bin Composters can help anyone get started with composting. More information is available at hotbincomposting-us.com. Welcome back to another all new episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, a missive from across the pond leads us to remind people what to do to prevent cabbage worm damage and get rid of their sluggies. We're also going to explain exactly why copper electrocutes the little slimers you won't want to miss it and you won't if you stay tuned well now time for a special treat we're going to welcome our special guest julia tomei from my favorite organization the pennsylvania horticultural society which we all affectionately call phs the people who put on the philadelphia flower show every year but they do a lot more than that julia You're up, tell us about the big contest that is coming up really soon.
1: Hi everybody, happy to tell you about the contest. Um, We have, the the gardening contest has been going on with PHS since 1975, so this isn't anything new, but it's taken a lot of different turns over the years. And this year, given the situation um, that our communities are facing, we will be doing it a little bit differently this year. So the contest this year is an entirely online contest.
0: So all the plants are going to be wearing masks?
1: Yes. Well, no. Okay. So (laughs) um, actually the way that we'll be doing it this year is we will be, folks can sign up online and submit photos of their gardens and answer a gardening questionnaire um, to, to meet the criteria of the contest. And experienced volunteer judges will review those entries Um, and we'll be making decisions later in the summer.
0: Oh, and before the pandemic, um, you guys used to go out in person.
1: Correct, correct.
0: Now, do your plants have to be six feet apart? I mean, you know, it's (laughs) like, do the plants need to be socially distanced? People, you would get better tomatoes if your plants were six feet apart.
1: Actually, no, we want to see lots of plants in the garden. So that's what we really want to see. So there's actually three um, different categories of entries that, can, that you can make this year. You can enter your outdoor garden. And these are these are home gardens. They need to be gardens that are tended by non-professionals. Um, all different kinds of home gardens um, right. are eligible. Grow food, ornamentals, any, any, any of the above. Um, we also have a category called public space gardens. So these are spaces where volunteers come together and either um, beautify a place in their neighborhood. This also includes community gardens can enter and other places where people garden together. I
0: saw a group of people doing this outside the Emmaus Library just the other day, all volunteers, all with flats of plants, trying to make the place pretty.
1: Fabulous, so so they could enter maybe, that would be great. and this year, we have a really exciting new category, first time. Like I said, we've been doing this since 1975, but this is the very first time we have a category of indoor house plant gardens.
0: Uh-oh. You know, it's still not legal to grow in Pennsylvania, you know.
1: <laughs> well, we hope so. The, what this category includes is, is a room with at least eight plants in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking. we'll be looking at some of the same things, the design, the beauty, the sustainability of the work that you do, and so on. So indoor houseplants, we've got lots of interest in that category this year.
0: Okay, geographically, what's the range? Because this is not a national organization. You're based in Philly, but you've been doing much more work outside of Philly over the years.
1: Right, so for this contest, um, gardens are eligible if they're located in Pennsylvania, Delaware, or New Jersey, anywhere in those three states. Um, And then that way we feel like our judges are able to really look at those gardens and are are able to um, judge them appropriately based on on their knowledge. So for this year, it's the the three-state area.
0: All right, New Yorkers, forget about it. (laughs) Where do people go online?
1: Yeah, so online you go to phsonline.org. Forward slash gardening contest is the is the website to get to register and it's kind of a two step process you register initially and then we send you all the information for the contest and then you have um, to submit your photos and your um, answer questions to a, a to a sur- to a survey about your about your gardening conditions
0: and originally this contest was going to end on June twentieth. But we had uh, all sorts of issues getting you on the show. We really wanted to. So you've graciously uh, agreed to extend it to, I believe, June 26th?
1: We have. We we have a lot of people who are wanting to enter the contest and we wanting a little bit more time to get their entries in. And so we have extended the deadline to June the 26th that you have to submit to upload your photos and to answer those questions that we were talking about.
0: Okay, so phsonline.org, and then I'm sure there's something to click on that says Garden Contest, right? Absolutely. And this is any kind of a garden, a group garden, an individual garden. Like you said, uh, rooftop gardens, ah, in Philly, there are so many beautiful rooftop gardens out there.
1: Yeah, so small gardens, large gardens, New gardeners, gardeners who've been gardening for many years, Uh, they're all eligible. We would love to have you participate. It's a fun of competition. You'll get feedback on your garden from your judging team um, and bragging rights if you win an award.
0: And what do you get? A new car, a lounge suite, a backyard swimming pool installed?
1: So yeah, so we, we judge people who will either be judged as a blue ribbon garden, a garden of distinction or a proud participant. So it's, like I said, it's bragging rights, and it's um, the ability to connect with other gardeners. We'll have several different um, ways that you can connect with others throughout the year. Um, and we hope that it's a learning process. We've got classes you can take and, and events you can participate in.
0: What is it, a virtual blue ribbon?
1: Um, in past years, we've done a yard sign. We haven't decided exactly what the, what the awards will look like this year, but there will be something.
0: Okay, very good. Uh, bragging rights.
1: Yeah, the important thing is to have fun and to, to enter and be proud of your garden and to share it with others. And and that we'll be doing a lot of sharing through social media, on our website, and in other ways. So it's a great way. And I would say, too, if you're interested in judging, we're looking for volunteer judges. And that's a great way also to get, if you're an experienced gardener, to get to a peek into different gardens in the area and, and, and also help us out with judging at the same time.
0: The show, uh, You Bet Your Garden, has a Facebook page. And this season we have gotten more pictures of people's gardens and stories of their experiences than I think in all the years previous. I mean, Julia, you know how expansive gardening has become this season. We've got a whole generation of new gardeners out there, and the people who are growing are ridiculously proud of what they're doing.
1: Absolutely. I think that it's a great way to, to, you know, everybody's getting involved right now. People are, that are at home, they understand the importance of growing food. They understand the, the importance of beauty. And the contest is a way to help, to help you get focused on your garden because what we're, it, we're asking everybody to kind of look at five um, different criteria, both the beauty and the design of the garden, plant health and productivity if you're growing food, Sustain, we're also looking at sustainability practices and resourcefulness, and I think that's, we're seeing a lot of that with gardeners, are, are paying attention to that. So in our judging, we'll be paying attention to sustainability and resourcefulness. We'll also be looking at um, the way that gardeners are able to create habitat for um, pollinators, for beneficial wildlife. Um
0: yeah. deer, rabbits, groundhogs, evil squirrels. Um, I got so much habitat, I barely got anything to eat anymore.
1: Well, you know, someone's benefiting, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The deer are getting fat near my house. All right. Julia Tomei from PHS. uh, Thank you for speaking to us about the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society's gardening contest open to residents of New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania. Uh, You get all the details at phsonline.org. Don't forget the online, cats and kittens. All right, Julia, thank you so much for being with us this morning.
1: Thank you for having me. You're listening to an Encore presentation of You Bet Your Garden.
0: Harry, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, thanks for being had. How are you, Harry?
5: Uh, Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good.
0: And where is Harry doing good?
5: In uh, New Brunswick, Canada.
0: Oh, okay. Another Canadian. We're getting through up there. Um, yeah. Very good. What can we do you for?
5: The first question was, I was mowing this year by my pond. I have a big pond on my property. hmm And I noticed an uh, odd plant I had never noticed, kind of everywhere, strange-looking little plant. hmm And I looked it up, and I found that it was uh, seems to be common horse pail.
0: Oh, okay. And very interesting plant.
5: Yeah, and I never saw it before, and then I started Googling it, and, of course, it was like nightmare stories of it spreading everywhere so fast. And we have a vegetable garden, a pretty big vegetable garden, but it's about 400 feet from the pond, but I didn't know if it's something I can uh, keep by the pond because I kind of like
0: it. Okay, Uh, very good. Yes, the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, Horsetail is an amazing plant. It's prehistoric. It's one of the oldest plants known to exist. And it has a high silica content, kind of like sand. So it has a long history of being used as a, a kind of like a natural Brillo pad. It is said to be excellent for scrubbing out pots and pans and some gardeners will grow a small patch of it and use it to clean out nasty-looking bird baths. Um, it is a remarkable kind of natural cleanser, with an insanely long history on this planet. Now, it right. does it does spread by underground rhizomes, like running bamboo. But there's no reason that you couldn't draw kind of a maginot line install deep edging i would go for professional rhizome barrier you'll find um many landscapers who can install this it goes underground and it prevents the rhizomes from going any further kind of containing them so in that in that case you could have your horse tail well and not eat it too i wouldn't recommend eating silica but you could have your horse tail and keep it contained near the pond where i can see um, it would be uh, a very great-looking plant to accent the pond.
5: Yeah, it looks beautiful. Uh, then yesterday, because it was a few days ago, I noticed it. Yesterday, we have a new flower, a new uh, flower garden that we we tore up a bunch of old um, that fabric that they lay down. We tore it up, but now I see some of that horsetail is in that garden, which is only about 20 feet from our vegetable garden.
0: I would dig up that bed. It's interesting. So they used weed fabric to try to keep it from popping up again. I would, I'm would. kind of wondering, yeah. Yeah, I would um, either you personally or you and your friends or hire some school kids to dig up that area, um, get all the rhizomes out that you can. And at this time, you'll see if there's a trail going back to the patch by the pool. They may be okay. isolated. And if they are, right. you're in New Brunswick, so you can't really solarize the soil. You don't have a long enough summer. Yeah, so <laughs> I would just I would just excavate that area, try to get every root out, and then just cover it with, like, four inches of arborist wood chips for a year or two to smother it.
5: Okay. Okay. And uh, that's great, Mike. Thanks so much. And the other quick question I had, was uh, we got watermelons growing up here and we're doing the black plastic like I had read you had mentioned in one of your- uh, In
0: a in a cold opinion. climate, uh, when you're growing a heat-seeking crop like watermelon, it makes sense to cover the earth with black plastic, yes.
5: And should, how often, do you have a quick answer to how often a watermelon
0: needs to be watered? Well, because you have the black plastic in place, it's going to retain water. Very well, but it is okay. a thirsty plant. Obviously, that's how it's got its name. Um, how big are <laughs> the slits that you have the plants growing out of?
5: I haven't planted yet because, like I said, the frost has just stopped. Oh, okay, life, right. So
0: okay, so we so,
5: haven't planted yet.
0: Uh, y- you understand that you yeah. have to, uh, you know, create slits in the black plastic to plant the watermelon. Right. Yeah.
5: And I have a soaker hose. I was planning. On Excellent.
0: Using. Excellent. So. You know, I would give them, and again, you're in a cool climate. It's really not going to utilize the water so much to battle the heat as it's just going to utilize it internally. Um, What variety of watermelon are you, are you growing? I hope it's a short-season variety. Are they icebox? It is a short-season.
5: I have to find the seeds. My girlfriend ordered all the seeds, but it is a small Good. Short season watermelon for sure.
0: Good. Good. Yeah, I would. I would make sure it gets watered deeply once a week. Now it's. Okay. It's also possible that we, when we get to late July, you get a heat wave. Yep.
5: Yep. It gets pretty hot there for a little bit, not long.
0: Okay. During that time, if it doesn't rain, you can up that to, you know, twice a week.
5: Okay, so pretty right.
0: simple. I didn't know if
5: it was every day.
0: Oh, you know, um, I just read a quote. I can't remember who said it, but uh, watering a garden is an art, just like seasoning a soup. You know, appreciate you really it. need to follow your instincts. I
5: really appreciate it. You really help us out up here. We uh, try all most of your all your ideas, and sometimes people have thought we were crazy up here, but. Uh, You really help us. uh, It's hard to find reliable information. So we really
0: appreciate your show. Oh, thank you so much. That's very kind of you to say. Thanks so much, Mike. All right. Good luck. And call back later on in the season to ask me how you can tell when your watermelons are ripe. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind all of you that your garden needs an inch of water a week from you or from the sky. And the right way for you to deliver that water is deep and long. Set your sprinklers to come on at 5 or 6 a.m. and off at 9 or 10, but only in the a.m., and only once a week, and only when we don't get rain. But don't go apologizing to your wilted tomatoes just yet, because we'll be right back with the reason slugs sizzle when they touch copper and more of your sizzling phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. You're listening to an Encore presentation of You Bet Your Garden. Welcome back to an all-new episode of You Bet Your Garden. From the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll tell you why slugs sizzle when they touch copper and why those little white butterflies in your garden are not to be enjoyed, but perhaps destroyed. Before that, a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Nancy, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here, Nance. How you doing?
3: <laughs> I'm doing well. A little hot today, but I'm doing well.
0: Yep, yep, it's that time of year. And where is Nancy doing well?
3: I live in Northampton, Pennsylvania.
0: Okay, very good. What can we do you for?
3: Okay, um, I have some issues with bugs or some type of a critter eating my garden. Mostly, they have they eaten the leaves off my pepper plants and a few other things. I, my um, basil, mm-hmm. cucumbers—not uh, so bad on the cucumbers, but the pepper plants—they've totally eaten all the leaves off. There's hmm. no, there are no leaves.
0: That's interesting. Uh, okay, yeah. what uh, what's the possibility that it's rabbits? Or deer.
3: Well, I put a brand new fence. We put a brand new fence around our garden this year, Mm -hmm. and I saw a rabbit trying to get in because my dog was chasing it. Uh And the rabbit went on one side, couldn't get in. Went on the other side, and then finally slid under a fence outside, to outside of the garden. So it, it couldn't get in the garden.
0: Okay. How big is the garden?
3: uh i have i have two different ones on one there's a walkway between them, and okay. I would say six foot by well maybe six by six something like that
0: okay, so they're not raised beds gardens
3: no okay,
0: no. okay. um when and um when deer do damage, it's the tops of the plants that are eaten off.
3: Yeah, I, there's no deer. I'm in a uh, neighborhood where there's houses, and you know it's not the
0: woods. And oh, you got to be I've kidding! Never... In Northampton, you got deer. Yeah. Ro- they're playing cards. <laughs> well,
3: I've never seen a deer. They're playing card <laughs> games
0: while you're sleeping. <laughs> You've got bears roaming through the middle of town. Oh, I heard. I heard that. Yes. So I'm going to suggest you have slugs.
3: And I put beer out, Mike, in saucers, one on each side. Right. I did see some slugs, but not a heck of a lot Till this morning, and I sent you that picture where I lifted up the saucer, and it was full of, and you said, centipedes.
0: Right. I remember your email now. Yes, you had a load of garden centipedes.
3: Oh, my God. I can't believe how many there were.
0: Yes. Um, Now, garden centipedes can go either way. They generally Mm -hmm. work the soil. They generally work slowly at eating debris on top of the soil and turning it into richer soil. But sometimes Mm -hmm. they can get out of control. This sounds like a perfect solution for DE, diatomaceous earth.
3: Thank you, that's what I put on them. After I took the picture, I squirted, you know, dusted that whole area right with them um, with that d e
0: and it was very effective, right
3: uh you know what I haven't gone back out and looked, but i uh, i after I put it on and I kind of went over to the other side of the garden and was looking there weren't very many of them moving
0: all right okay yeah uh d e is a prehistoric material, it's the remains of vast numbers of ocean going creatures called diatoms, and those areas uh-huh. are not oceans anymore, they're mountains. And they mine this flower-like substance that's the crushed shells of the diatoms, and it feels like flour to us, but on a microscopic right. level, it's very sharp, and it pierces soft- bodied creatures like slugs and centipedes and uh, even roaches. It's used for roach control indoors.
3: Huh Well, I have, been put, I have put that around, and I seems to have delayed like stopped a lot of the eating so far, because I planted a couple new pepper plants, because do you think those other ones, once the leaves are gone, they they won't come back, will they?
0: There's never any way to find out, but if you've got the room and you don't need the spot, leave them in the ground for another couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, because I kind of dug around and I did see leaves underneath where the soil was, and I thought, well, maybe they're coming back. So I didn't want to, you know, defeat my purpose and rip them out.
0: Right. Now... uh, there's two kinds of centipedes. There is the house centipede that scares a lot of people. It's a kind of a right. a large creature that looks like uh, somebody's toupee fell off and it's running away from you. But they, well, they are amazing predators of indoor pests. As I said, uh-huh. garden centipedes, they're, a lot of times they don't do damage, sometimes they do. Uh, do you have mulch around the plants? No, uh, the only mulch I put was compost. Okay. So, I only put compost, and I
3: put eggshells. I follow your garden information mm-hmm. all the time and your tomatoes, and I put eggshells in the ground for the tomatoes. Excellent. and I, I also bought um, earthworm castings.
0: Yeah, that's fine. That's a gr- good little fertilizer. And I put fertilizer. that around.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: No harm there. So um, what you do is you keep spreading the DE. You don't have to hit them directly, but if the soil is dry, they can't cross over it. So you make little white circles around all your plants. And Mm -hmm. you you simply have to reapply it after rain, because it has to be dry to work. But uh, I think you should be able to get this under control.
3: I think so too. I think it's started since I got the DE. I think it has helped. And I haven't seen, like I said, I planted some new plants and I didn't see anything disturbing them. So I'm thinking, um, and the beer, I I do see slugs in the beer. Okay, good. And I saw some of those earwig things in the beer this morning when I went out there. Uh So, and there was some other kind of bug. I don't know what it was, but I'm thinking that between the the DE and the beer, I think I'm helping. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Now the trick with beer is make sure it's fresh. Fill up your... Yes, I put a
3: a new can every night.
0: Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> great. And cheap beer is just as good.
3: Yeah. I bought cheap Miller Lite.
0: Okay. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, I think you're on your way to success here.
3: Thank you so much, Mike. I really
0: do appreciate all your help and I, you have a great show. Oh, thank you so much. You have a good season. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, as promised, it's time for the question of the week, which we're calling Fighting Bugs, Butterflies, and Slugs in Scotland. Raymond and Jennifer in Blantyre, Scotland, right? We have an allotment, kind of the UK form of American community gardening, which is generally very productive. However, we are growing more lettuce and brassicas than ever before and have problems with birds and the white cabbage butterfly. I wish to use netting against the butterfly, but I have made poor netting choices in the past and don't want birds caught in the net anymore. What size of netting would you suggest for effective cabbage white production without tangling up the birds? There are also many holes in the leaves of our plant, probably slug damage as we have damp climate conditions. Jennifer, who is originally from Illinois, Says the weather here in the west of Scotland is a lot like Seattle, so slugs are our personal enemy. We use beer traps, which if Raymond doesn't drink the beer, are quite effective. The BBC Gardener's World and the Allotment Society Forum suggests a dense mesh close to fleece as the most effective control of the cabbage whites. All right, well, I visited the west coast of Scotland back in the 70s, and it is indeed quite damp. But I want to address this butterfly issue first. The vast majority of caterpillar pests are the offspring of moths, but two butterflies also come to mind. The larval form of the swallowtail butterfly likes to feed on the greenery of carrots, fennel, dill, and parsley. In fact, the common name of one of the little beasties here is the parsley worm. Once the baby caterpillars achieve a decent size, they turn into a creature so beautiful I've never had the heart to try and control them. They're black and yellow on a field of green, and second only to the monarch caterpillar in good looks. The big ones can also be prompted to display a really cool trick, When threatened, they can pop up a specialized organ from the back of their neck, a spike-like thing coated with noxious chemicals that smells, quote, like rancid butter. Fun for the entire family. And, of course, the butterflies they become are drop-dead gorgeous. The cabbage white butterfly has no such nice things going for it. It's a drab butterfly that gives birth to the, quote, cabbage worm a nasty piece of work whose green color blends in perfectly with the crops it's devouring. And our Scottish couple have been given sound advice on a prime deterrent, although the terminology is a little different than what we use in the U.S. First, they don't want bird netting of any kind, not only because of the tangle angle, but because birds are excellent predators of pest caterpillars. Many gardeners will provide nesting boxes and bird baths near threatened plants and avoid artificial feeding outside of winter because you don't want your birds to fill up on seed instead of cabbage worms. Entomology note. Although the term worm is applied to a huge number of agricultural pests like the tomato hornworm, cutworm, corn earworm, etc., all are caterpillars, not worms of any kind. Anyway, a cover of, quote, fleece sounds a lot like we hear on the other side of the pond call floating row cover. It's a light, breathable fabric that creates an excellent barrier against egg laying and similar insect attacks. As a bonus, it also increases the growth rate of plants in chilly areas, and it can be used on any crop that doesn't flower, like all of the brassicas. There's also the original strain of B.T. for caterpillar control. You spray this naturally occurring soil organism on a plant, and any caterpillar what chews the sprayed leaves will stop feeding and die. B.T. harms nothing else, not birds, bees, frogs, toads, or even adult butterflies, because they're not chewing on the leaves of the plant. I couldn't find any information on its availability in Europe, But if I had cabbage white problems, I'd try and seek it out. And then we have the slimy slug, the first pest to consider when plants are eaten overnight. Beer traps can be very effective, but the beer has to be fresh, poured into its containers at sunset. Cheap beer is fine, but I never saw any in England, Scotland, or Wales where, quote, the worst beer always seemed to be equal to America's best. And again, we have another great non-toxic slug control in the States, but I'm sure if it's available in Europe. Sold under brand names like Slug-O and Escart go its little pellets of yeast are laced with iron phosphate. The slugs go for the yeast and the iron does them in. And, as we mentioned a few shows ago, copper barriers can also be very effective against slugs. After that show ran, we were challenged by Andrea in Brighton, Michigan, which is west of Detroit, north of Ann Arbor, who writes, You say that copper causes slugs to get electrocuted. From a chemical or physics perspective, how is the electricity that zaps the creatures generated? Well, we found the answer in a post by biomedical scientist Chris Bland, and we quote, Copper reacts with the slime that covers slugs, resulting in an unpleasant electroneural signal similar to an electrical shock. The slime is mostly water with dissolved proteins, glycoproteins, and metal ions. Since neuron action potentials are often regulated by fluctuations in metal ion concentrations across neuronal membranes, it makes sense that copper irons may induce painful stimuli. We'll have all the details when we post this question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Well, that sure was some interesting advice on how to control the common pests of two nations, now wasn't it? Luckily for those of you who wish to read the information over, with links to detailed advice about the shocking effects of copper and the super cool swallowtail butterfly and its caterpillar. The question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you will always find the latest question of the week where? At the Gardens Alive website special thanks to entomologist dr michael Rapp, the bug guy for all of the cool swallowtail information i lifted from his exceptional website without his knowledge okay mike i said exceptional so please don't sue me yikes my producer is threatening to slug my sassafras if i don't get out of this studio we must be out of time but you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588 or send us your email You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched refuse, teeming towards our garden shore at YBYG at WLVT.org. Always please include your location when you email us. You'll find all of this contact information, plus answers to hundreds of your gardening questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, hey! And links to our internationally renowned podcast. It's all at that website, YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when an ancient wizard told him to, quote, speak my name in an abandoned subway tunnel. Mike called the police. Shazam! Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airwaves is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work and ponder so many pretty pictures at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Tavia Minnick. Our website wonder is Nicole Harrell. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is Judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and Harry director is Javier Diaz. Eric Werner is not here in physical form, but his astral body is doing fine work. I think Zach the Tack and John Flynn are in the house, maybe Bill Semler too, but I can't be sure as we are required to operate in separate dimensions, while inside the building. Continued thanks to our fearless leader, CEO Tim Fallon, who either keeps allowing us to come in to take new material or still has no idea that we've been breaking into the place for the past three months. I'm your host, Mike McGrath saying, keep your eyes on the butterflies, your beer on the slugs and keep that mask on until Ducky sounds the all clear. And Ducky and I will see you again next week. You've been listening to an encore presentation of You Bet Your Garden. Support comes from Hot Bin Composters, designed to be compact, odor-free, and easy to use. They can help anybody get started composting. More information at hotbincomposting-us.com.